in the cannon mode No one like Satch mode I'm a high strap low Baby, go for what you know Change turn, put change New photo, different frame Money up, champagne Still posing, same game Welcome, Pewter Report readers, listeners, and viewers To another edition of the Pewter Report podcast Energized by Celsius I am John Ledyard from PewterReport.com With me today on this Pewter Preview Wednesday For week 8, Bucks vs. Saints Is Scott Reynolds, also from PeterReport.com. Scott, nice to have you back on a Wednesday show where we're talking about the next matchup. Man, this is exciting to get into a division rival matchup that actually matters. No offense to the Atlanta Falcons. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. The good news is, John is is uh, I'm I'm no longer questionable for Sunday. I'm uh, I'm probable. Right. I'm right. on the bouncing back strong. Bouncing back strong. Thank you, zinc and vitamin C and D and Celsius. Yeah. I'm not saying there's any healing properties in Celsius if you have a cold, but I'm also not denying it either. So, right, the uh, product does not claim that. Correct. But our experience has been that it's beneficial even in this. And it doesn't hurt. And you know why, John? Because it's got vitamins in it. It's packed with mm. with seven essential vitamins, and vitamins are always a good thing. So, draw your own conclusions. Yeah, for it sure. It also tastes Absolutely. really good too. Celsius powers active lives every day with essential functional energy, and they are the title sponsor of the Pewter Report podcast. If you don't know, comes in many flavors, one of the greatest of which is Orangesicle. There's no That's sugar right. in these things, and there's tons of great stuff, and there's no energy drop-off, and they taste amazing. And Orangesicle is one of the prime flavors right now. And we've got a little a special deal going on with Orangesicle right now, don't we, Scott, where you can have an opportunity to enter a giveaway to win yourself some orange sickle. Yes. If you follow us on Twitter or Facebook, or if you've listened to the Peter Report podcast on Monday, you heard about this awesome promotion that they have. It's just in time for Halloween, right? It's You know why? Because there's black and orange on this can. That's smart, Celsius. I like it. Mm-hmm. But listen, um, Celsius seed, it's one of my favorite flavors. Uh, you know, you like the, the blueberry pomegranate. Um, I like the the orange sickle. I call it cream sickle sometimes because it reminds me of the Buccaneers' old uniforms. But here's the promotion. You can win a free case of this. It's free. All you have to do is enter, like put in your name and email address and hit send. And you do that at Celsius.com backslash Pewter Report uh, Halloween giveaway. And uh, uh, we'll have that link in is, the yeah, description. In, in the YouTube description. Just roll right Excellent. down there and click it. And yep. go right or you've probably seen us mention it on Twitter, Facebook, on our Pewter Report pages there. The contest ends Saturday. It's not even a contest. It's a giveaway. It ends Saturday. So make sure you register to win. They're going to give away three winners. They're going to get a case each of this uh, Celsius heat orange sickle. And it's really, really good. Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, orange sickle is probably mm, it's, it's right up there with my favorite flavors. I'm rocking Top the five, five today. But yeah, I need yeah. to win that giveaway so I can get some orange sickle. <laughs> that's one a lot of fans haven't tried to eat. So definitely enter yeah. that if you can. That, that's, that's a very quick uh, thing to enter that and i i think you're gonna love the flavor first of all second of all helps us out a ton third you know celsius man great company great great company to support for sure so we appreciate no doubt y'all jumping in there uh, nate wants to know if there's a limit of entries i don't think there is is there we have i don't i don't know that's a that's a good question that's a question yeah. for celsius maybe i'll, I'll ask about that we've but, never um, been told a while one before for a giveaway right so. you can try push to enter more yeah, yeah push push it and see what happens you know yeah that's right see if it lets you but uh go for it for sure um, okay, let's talk about uh, the injury situation. Malcolm, good question to start it off. I'd like to get a really good update on Anthony Brown and uh, Antonio Brown. I think uh, his injury. I heard he's on crutches. When is he expected to return? Yeah, he was. Matt Matera was out of practice today. Said Antonio Brown had a crutch. There were some pictures going around the internet, some videos of him standing talking to Richard Sherman and Jason Light with a crutch uh, down there after practice. Bruce Arians was asked about Antonio Brown's injury, and he said that he was he basically said who knows with that injury there's no way of knowing for sure uh it could be you know right after the bye week um when they play washington uh november 14th or it could be longer he said uh, we'll see i i mean it's a month scott from the time he got hurt till because of the way the schedule worked with the 10-day break from the eagles game and then the Saints game and then the bye it'll be a month uh, from his injury by the time the Washington game comes along. Uh, it's an ankle sprain. Uh, he said it's affecting his heel too. I reached out to some friends of mine who I know are in this arena and uh, understand some of these, these types of injuries, sports injuries, work with that kind of stuff. And they basically were like, I have no clue what he's talking about. <laughs> Cause they didn't know what that meant with a heel, uh, with an well, ankle. I, 
yeah, I think what it might be is like a lower ankle sprain. And sure, some, you, you want to avoid that, that worse or different than others. I don't. Know. I, I'm not sure. Maybe maybe it might be due to the fact that it's closer to the Achilles, so there might be some more pain involved. I asked about that. They said okay. that would be unusual, but um, oh, I don't know. Who knows? But anyway, the the bottom line is, I feel like yeah, Antonio Brown. Is, we'll see. Maybe after the bye week. But the the important thing is for right now, he's out for the Saints game. He's not going to play yep. in the Saints game. It sounds like so. Um, he'll might be the only buck that doesn't though. We, a couple others coming back. Levante David practiced today. Rob Gronkowski practiced today. Uh, Jamel Dean practiced today. Um, Richard Sherman even gave it a little bit of a go today. I think uh, Bruce Arians had, I guess, uh, technically what D Delaney didn't practice, although he was seen out there by reporters yeah. dressed and ready to go. So, uh, we'll see what that ends up meaning, but, um, but who else did he say? Uh, and Dominican Sue had a sore knee and JPP yeah. didn't practice. He said, so he thinks Sue's going to be fine. JPP said he's going to, he talked to the media today. So I'm assuming he's right. not really, it's the same situation. He's not going to practice and he'll play in the game. So yep. I would say AB might be the only non IR buck that doesn't play. We'll see about Sherman. He's still got to get out there and move around a lot today, but it seems like Levante David, Rob Gronkowski going to be back for this game. And, and Jamel Dean and D Delaney hopefully will be, okay as well so uh we'll see yep. for sure no Big it's did, definitely definitely a good sign that that they're getting back some of these these players i i think that they could probably win without levante david without richard sherman without rob gronkowski i just i like where the bucks are from a talent perspective and and how they're they're playing they got to play better on the road we've talked about that we'll continue to talk about that but I, I just have not been that impressed with the Saints, John. And, yeah. and I know there were some weather conditions on on Monday or Sunday night or on, on Monday night for that game against Seattle. But but uh, the defense played well. But look, look at who they're going up against, Geno uh, Smith. So, yeah, uh, they got five sacks. They got more pressure, which is something that they really needed to do because New Orleans had really struggled in, in terms of getting to the quarterback this year. They entered that game with only eight sacks in, in five games, and they got five just in that one particular uh, contest. And, and I, I think uh, there were some signs of life from, from Cameron Jordan. He's had a slow start to this year. I think uh, uh, Passigno, the, the, the other defensive lineman that they got, uh, has, has been a, a big addition. He had uh, a sack in that game, or actually two sacks against the, uh, the Saints. So um, they're, they're getting some pass rush. Demario Davis had a couple of sacks in that game. Uh, I think he's their best player on defense right now. He's mm -hmm. he's been a thorn in the Bucs side, but um, I'd st I still like the Buccaneers, especially if Levante and Gronk come back. Those two guys yeah. alone can make a big difference. Yeah, for sure. And today we'll spend um, our time talking about the Bucks defense against the Saints offense and what that matchup's going to look like tomorrow on the show. Matt Matera and I will be talking about the Bucks offense against the Saints defense. So today you'll hear a lot more about the Jameis Winston side of things and the saga that's happening there. And I just want to start with Winston and kind of what he is right now, because Bucks fans, I think, are looking at the box score and expecting to see a lot of picks and not seeing a lot of picks. And so it's leading to some conclusions like this. Matthew Sanders yeah. says, Jameis has actually done well this year about turnovers. He should have gotten his vision fixed years ago. His time <laughs> in Tampa may have been different. I don't know if that's tongue-in-cheek or not, Matthew, uh, yeah. but I don't think his vision was the issue at all really in Tampa. It was really decision-making. Yeah. What's happening now in New Orleans is you're getting, getting a guy who is throwing the ball less than any other quarterback in the NFL. That never happens at midseason unless a team does not trust the quarterback. So that is the situation in New Orleans. They do not fully trust Jameis. You saw that on a third and 10 right. run. And yeah. more than anything, they trust the scheme that they have in place. They trust the fact that Alvin Kamara and the run game but is pretty diverse, is going to make their waves. Taysom Hills, when he's healthy, is going to make a few plays. And they have guys that can compete after the catch on a lot of their design screens and things like that. That part the yak part we'll get to in a second hasn't happened. It's a big reason why their offense has struggled a ton this year. But this is a 100% an offense that does not trust their quarterback. It's amazing right. they're four and two. Given that, it's we'll talk about why that is in a second because there's two key statistics that are why that's the case. To Jameis's credit, he has kind of bought in on this. He hasn't. He's become a system it. quarterback. Yeah, he's, he's bought into the very, system. Yeah. He's become very much a, just a system, whatever you know, he, he's, he's not been good this season, in my opinion. I'll talk about that a little bit more extensively, but he hasn't killed them. 
in crucial situations. He did take right. some ugly sacks against the Seahawks, but he's avoided bad sacks and he's had great protection. He's held the ball for very long, but he's still he's gotten the he's gotten rid of the ball. He's thrown it away more often than not, and he's not turned the ball over a ton. In fact, even though I think he has three picks, he only has six turnover worthy throws this season too, which is a probably a better indication. So you know that's like you know, bottom third of the league, I would say. So he's not yeah. putting the ball in harm's way, and the offense isn't asking him to do hardly anything that would require him to put the ball in harm's way either right. Scott. So it's kind of a both and situation. And it's important to understand that going into a game like this, because I think if they're going to win and want to score more points than they've been scoring in some of these games against better opponents, they're going to have to do that. They were lucky not to have to do that against green Bay. And they've kind of danced around having to do that. The game they had to do that, that they got down early in was right. the saints game. They had to totally right. abandon that. And the saints are the, or sorry, the Panthers game and the Panthers aren't even good. But the Saints had to get away from that and ask him a lot of him, and that was his worst game of the year. So yep. I'm just curious what happens if the Bucks get out to an early lead. Yeah, and I, I think the one thing too, when you look at Jameis, the the interesting uh, statistic is is just those those lack of interceptions. There have been a few plays where he has reverted back to old Jameis. I think the Carolina game was was a was one of those where he had two interceptions in that game. But he's only had three the entire year. That is a credit to him that he's finally listening to uh, to Sean Payton. And maybe he realizes, like, hey, I mean, <laughs> you only get so many cracks at a starting job in the NFL before you get labeled as a, as a career backup, right? We've seen it before around the league, certain guys. Geno Smith is one of those guys. He was a starting quarterback. Now he's nothing but a career backup uh, out there in Seattle. And Jameis Winston, if he fails here and loses the starting job, I think that he is probably going to be a career backup. I mean, you can already see Marcus Mariota, his draft mate in 2015, has got that label now. I doubt that Mariota is ever going to be a starting quarterback um, in this league again. Uh, time will tell. But but Jameis is doing the things necessary to keep the job, but the point production that that is lacking, uh, and I think this is really where, where the Bucks have an edge. Uh, if you look back at some of these – these Bucks Saints games, the Saints have really run up some points on Tampa Bay over the last couple of years. But this year, they had thirty. They won thirty-eight to three against Green Bay. They lost twenty-six to seven. They beat the Patriots. That was to Carolina. They they beat the Patriots twenty-eight to thirteen. That was a game where where Mac Jones really wasn't getting there quite yet. They lost in overtime to the New York Giants. That was a stinging defeat, twenty-seven to twenty-one. They they beat Washington thirty three to twenty two. They they only put up thirteen points in uh, Seattle in that thirteen to ten win. And so you've seen some really kind of helter skelter point production from the Saints. And you just don't know what you're going to get. You're going to get thirty eight points one week and seven the next. Twenty eight one uh, one week and twenty one the next. Thirty three one week and thirteen the next. And you look at Tampa Bay and there have there has been some discrepancy there in their point differential scoring 40.5 points per game at home and just 26 points per game on the road, but it's still 26 points on the road. And they're, they're, they're capable with this offense of erupting on the road. We saw it last year out in, in Las Vegas, for example, they put up over 40 points. They put up over 40 points in Detroit again against lesser teams, but John, they also laid up 30, Part of that was short fields because of some takeaways on defense, but but I think that they can crack the code with Dennis Allen, and I, I think the Saints don't have the firepower to really match what Tom Brady and this offense can do if they're rolling. Yeah, for sure. That's going to be the key on the other side. Can the Saints defense keep? I mean, without a great Saints defensive performance, this is not happening for the Saints, right. and, and I think they know that, and their defense, I'm sure, is amped about that, and we'll talk about that a lot tomorrow because I think that's going to be – Huge, huge matchup in this game, obviously. Without that defense, they aren't where they are this season. That defense has played really well. But I do think there's two things. Uh, appreciate the $5 Super Chat, William Butler. Uh, AB was seen with the crutch, Bruce, that maybe after the Washington game. Yeah, if you go back to the beginning uh, of this show, we addressed that and we talked a little bit about AB and, yep. and things like that. I do think there's two things that have really helped the Saints this season that Breeze didn't provide. Actually, yeah, I'll say there's there's two, three, two things that have really helped them that Breeze didn't provide this season that that I don't yeah that James brings to the table enough of anyway right the ability to throw the ball deep they have yeah. they have they are at the bottom of the NFL in 20 plus yard passing plays they are dead last and he has the arm to do it where Drew Brees and I'm didn't. not talking about 20 yard air yard I'm talking right. about 
just 20 yard gains, even catching runs, and, right? Yes. Catching runs. Any, so they're not creating explosive plays, but right. they have four 40 plus yard pass plays. So that's as long as their defense is great and they can hit like one of those yeah. 40 plus yarders, especially if it's for a touchdown, which it often is. That's huge for them. So I think that's one thing they have the ability to hit 40 yarders, the big field flipping, put you in position in one play type of plays that they didn't have with Drew Brees last right. year. The other thing is Jameis Winston is, is, although I think he's, yeah, probably averaged to below average as a quarterback, as a passer he, with his legs, he's doing a great job this season. He's been yep. very helpful to this offense with what he can create, just getting outside of the pocket. Some, he's not great sure. throw outside of the pocket, but yep. also just being able to scramble and pick yep. up yards with his legs. I mean, that's helped his, it's helped his PFF grade, the yep. ability to do that. And it's helped the offense a lot too. Great point, John. He had an 18 yard run against Seattle. <clears throat> was it was a key play in that game. He's averaging 4.5 yards per carry. He's been a scrambler in Tampa, and that has continued. And and so there's a little bit less reliance on Alvin Kamara. I think Kamara has been better as a receiver this year than he has as a runner. He's still mm. capable of going off for 100 yards in any particular game. But when you look at, at – we'll talk about Kamara in a minute, but you look at the – at the, at the passing uh, statistics, uh, staying on Winston for a second, you know, Marquez Callaway averaging 15.9 yards per catch, three touchdowns. He's got a 58-yarder, right? So he he's one, one of those guys that can get down the field. I think that might have been on, on the Hail Mary play against uh, Washington. Uh, Deontay Harris is another uh, guy that that has hurt the Bucks in the special teams game, but also as a receiver now. He's got a 72-yarder. 72, to his credit, 19.7 yard average, two touchdowns. And, uh, you know, Troutman, the tight end, he's not been nearly as dynamic as Jimmy Graham and some of the other Saints tight ends that they've had mm-hmm. in the past, but he's got nine catches, 100 yards. Um, they're, they're missing Michael Thomas to pick up the, the chains and, and be that kind of intermediate weapon, that, that possession guy. And I think they've had to really lean on Alvin Kamara even more uh, in, in that to fill that void and Kamara to his credit. And you saw over hundred yards, John against uh, Seattle on, um, on Sunday night, just really was, was, was really the primary receiver. And he's got 25 catches this year, 33 targets to lead the saints, 241 yards. He's almost the leading receiver on this team, averaging 9.6 yards per catch, four touchdowns on the season. Yeah, and when you get into this offense, the one thing you're like, oh, the Saints have to be able to run the ball to win this game. And that's probably true, but they really have not run the ball that well this season. Even really, no matter what metric you look at, even if you look at basic box score stats or anything, they just haven't been a great rushing offense this year. And that is due to a couple of things. I think teams are probably daring them to throw the football. They want the game in James's hands because they think if it ha- that happens, it'll go the way of that Panthers game where everybody would probably thought it going into the year. And then right away, early in the year, boom, that game was the blueprint. Get right. the ball in James's hands, get up and at least stop the run, force the Saints off that game plan, make him be their number one guy and good things are going to happen for us. And, and that's that's what kind of teams have been trying to do with the Saints, but because they can't get that early lead on this defense, they haven't necessarily been able to take the Saints out of that rhythm. Obviously, the Saints are you know averaging to 17th in points per game, but in yards per game, they're 29th in the NFL. They're getting yeah. a lot of short fields due to special teams and 10 turnovers that the defense has forced. It's helped them a ton. Passing yards per game, they're 31st in the NFL. Just 176 passing yards in the year of our Lord, 2021. That is amazing that they are 4-2 <laughs> yeah. with a shot I to know. be 5-2 going into that midseason point. Yeah. So and there John, are things with this offense that just I feel like have to improve if they're going to you're, be you're a right. real contender. You know what I mean? And, and you mentioned a, a key phrase, term there, special teams, and that's an area that Bruce Arians has really harped on, and that's one of the reasons why the Bucks have had to dedicate so much to special teams this year, getting guys like Britt and Stewart to help out in coverage. I think Rashad Robinson has been a fantastic pickup. Yeah, he made a, a great play as a gunner against the Bears. Obviously, Jalen Darden with a 43-yard punt return, longest punt return in, in the NFL this year, replacing Jaden Mickens on Sunday. And I think that's an area that the Saints have had some mastery over the Buccaneers, not just kicking and punting, but also returns and covering. And, and that has allowed the Saints offense to, to be the beneficiary of some of those shorter fields 
and not putting as much stress on, on Winston and Kamara to have to drive 80 yards. Maybe you're driving 60 yards for a touchdown or a field goal. Maybe you're driving 50. And, and that that's made a big difference because the statistics, like you said, are weird, John. 29th in total yardage, but yet they're they're the best team inside the red zone, right? So when they yeah. get down there, they're they're cashing in on it. They're making the most of their opportunities. Yeah, typically those statistics like red zone and third down are more fluid and more statistics more like yardage and passing yardage, especially now that we have seven games, or I guess the Saints only have six games, I should say. Yeah. They, they did have their bye week, so that is it's not going to throw off the averages, but I'll throw off the, the totals. I'm, I'm reading you averages here when I'm talking right. about average yards per game, average passing yards per game. Like these are just things they haven't really. I mean, they're scoring on 20 on 31% of their drives right now. It's 25th in the NFL. There really is not a consistent approach to anything offensively they really they have find it on a on a one drive where we can run the ball just find it enough on one drive we right. get enough or winston goes deep and hits one off play action i mean somebody said it earlier in the chat they said winston is basically checking it down to kamara on one of those option routes or he's throwing yep. it deep off play action and that's about as simple a summary as you can get on a quarterback that's but right that's literally what it is i mean that's no joke. I mean, outside right. if you took play auction away from this offense and they only do it at a rate that's 22nd in the NFL, I think, their passing game is is nothing. I mean, it's already right. your bottom of the league, but that just completely kills it. So those are the two things I think you have to be able to be disciplined in those situations and obviously watch out for a trick play too. I don't know what Taysom Hill's status is going to be for this week, yep. Scott, but that's a fascinating one to watch because I was just thinking about that. A little bit. It, it really does. And you know what? It, it can also change their, their passing game too, John, because – Remember that trick play where they brought Jameis Winston into the game mm -hmm. along with Drew Brees, and Winston ended up as like an end around. Then he threw it down to, to Traquan Smith, wide open for a touchdown. It was a gimmick play, but it worked for a touchdown. If Taysom Mills is available for this game, uh, you might see both of those quarterbacks in there, and you might see that particular play with Taysom Hill throwing the ball, right, as a little bit of a wrinkle. I could see Sean Payton reconfiguring that play and, and uh, doing the same concept, just different personnel usage and making a play there. Nate Pitts has got a great point. If the Bucks can put Winston into hero mode, we'll be fine. And I, and I, I think that, that that's what Todd Bowles and Bruce Arians are, are, are going to talk about. And I say Bruce Arians because he knows Jameis as well as anybody, having coached him for 2019. You want to get Jameis into those bad habits, right? Um, pressure, disguising coverages, taking away Alvin Kamara. And I think that's the biggest thing is if they can do some things to really negate it, I think a lot of the pressure is going to fall on Devin White. That's the matchup Todd that Todd Bowles has chosen to go with in most cases, John. And usually Devin White, being an LSU grad, being a Louisiana native, loves playing in the Superdome. He's, he's had some of his better games there, including that NFC divisional playoff win, 30-20, to 20, where he had a big interception, a big fumble recovery. And uh, he's was, gonna. Yeah, that was like one of the best linebacker games I've ever seen. It was, yeah, and, yeah. And it, probably it the week, the week nine game was probably one of the worst I've ever yeah. seen. So <laughs> That's right. Up, That's against right. the Saints, he's out of he's yeah. the gamut for sure. No, you're exactly right. And I, I think that that if they can, if they can really take away Kamara um, as that receiver, and we've seen him on the screens, I would expect a lot of screen game because you know that that they're going to be trying to get JPP and Shaq upfield to really put pressure on Winston. And, and and I think too, if you're going to be using Devin White as that that coverage guy on Alvin Kamara, uh, playing some cat coverage, right? Wherever that cat goes, you got him covered. Mm -hmm. And if if they're going to do that, that's going to take away Devin White's ability to blitz up the middle and try to get some pressure in Winston's face. Yeah. So I think maybe having Levante David back, maybe they switch roles for a play or two, and they still blitz. Devin White up the middle, maybe on on some third downs, some obvious passing downs, and in and, and have Levante David kind of spy and, and have the, the the keys to the coverage for Kamara on a on a play or two, or maybe Jordan Whitehead uh, lined up uh, at closer to the line of scrimmage as, as a strong safety. But I think that if they can corral Kamara, hold him to fifty yards or less uh, on the ground and sixty yards or less through the air, you know, not have him have a Superman type game. I think they got a very good chance of winning, John. Oh, absolutely. And it's funny, and man, it, all the stars on these two teams offenses over the years, Scott, yet if you look at pretty much every offensive player on both sides of the ball, when these two teams play, 
their numbers against each other just are terrible. Like compared, yeah. like Mike Evans' numbers against the Saints, yeah. especially like since Arians arrived, since the current regimes, like both defenses, even when there's been points scored in the matchups, they've been way more the result of the defenses creating turnovers and putting. And Bruce Arians said that today, but the turnovers have been the difference. The Bucks turned it over in the two regular season games. Saints turned it over in the playoffs. Whoever won the turnover battle won, and that's pretty much what it's been because both defenses have done better against opposing. The Saints have gotten production off plays trick plays and whether it's in the playoffs remember they had the big gain uh in on the like orbit motion screen in week one against the mm-hmm. box they had a big gain there were penalties in that game the teams moved the football but in terms of individual players producing at a high level this game is one of those ones where you're gonna want to bet the unders on all the player stat lines based yeah. on uh where what we've talked about and, and what yeah. the history of this game is and scott if you're gonna do that and you're going to bet those player unders. The place to do it is over at Underdog Fantasy. That's right. Pickums over there, are unbelievable. You can select over under on players' stat lines. I'm doing it probably way too often for NBA <laughs> games each night. <laughs> I, have, I have not won for a couple of days in a row, but tonight it changes. Your Underdog uh, you, Fantasy's favorite customer, John. I mean, I might be at this point, but to get a pick <laughs> two correct, you can triple your money. And if you get a pick five correct, so you pick five player stat lines over or under, and yeah. you can mix and match, by the way. You can mix and match uh, NBA, MLB, uh, NFL. Like You can mix and match all of them to get to pick five. You, If you get a pick five correct, you win 20 times the amount of money that you put in. So it's simple. Go to underdogfantasy.com or download their app. Sign up with the code Pewter, P-E-W-T-E-R, and you can build one of those pickums in seconds. And if you haven't signed up yet with that promo code Pewter, P-E-W-T-E-R, they're going to give you a free $10 when you sign up. So all you have to do is sign up, make your first deposit, and you don't even have to use that money. You can just use that $10. But trust me, it's so much fun, and it is a little bit easier to win than you think, despite my recent, my last four days. I won a lot before that, and so uh, it was, it was, it's pretty fun. And so uh, if you dump in there, yeah, I think you'll you'll find it's a really good product and a really easy site to use. That's yeah. what I really like. It's Super easy. A, great yeah, mobile it's a, app. It's, right. it's, it's right. Really the app is great, use. too. Yeah. yeah. So check that out. Promo code Peter, P-E-W-T-E-R. We got the injury report, Scott, don't we? Yep, we do. Okay. What do we? What's it say? What's it say about the Saints? Let's start there. Um, I'm pulling it up right oh, now. I, can, I actually getting... have it up. I thought. <laughs> do you? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Deontay Harris did not participate. That's a big one. Uh, his is. hamstring is going to be a uh, question. We're going to see kind of how that per- proceeds throughout the week. But Taysom Hill also did not participate with a concussion. I'm guessing that he'll try to like work his way back into the swing of things this week. Yeah. But the fact that he didn't participate on Wednesday, remember, you need a certain number of days to get out of the protocol. Just remember Winfield last week. So tomorrow will be a big well, day for him. I mean, unless you're Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> Like, yeah, well, he never entered the first. Yeah, but yes. Uh, just Anders, saying. Oh, that's right. Anders Pete, the left guard for the Saints, is going to be out for the season. Actually, he didn't participate yeah. in practice. They haven't put him on. He IR. got hurt on Monday night. Yeah, but it sounds like that he'll be out. And then Peyton Turner has been battling that calf, their first round rookie that they took right ahead of Joe Tryanchoinka. Right. He's been kind of in and out. He did not participate today. And then Dwayne Washington, a backup running back, didn't participate. And Marshawn Lattimore is a hand injury, but he was a full participant. Uh, and then for the Bucks. Mentioned Sue didn't participate. Richard Sherman was a limited participant. Yeah. Mentioned JPP did not participate. Um, Sue and JPP both expected to play. No, nothing serious there. Well, JPP just the same old, same right. old. Anthony Nelson was on there with an elbow, but he fully participated. OJ Howard, that ankle, he was still a limited participant. Uh, Gronkowski technically listed as limited participant. Yeah. Dee Delaney was out there. Reporters saw him, but technically did not participate, they're saying. Right. Um, Jamel Dean was a full participant, shoulder and thumb. Uh, full participant Levante David limited Antonio Brown did not participate and Giovanni Bernard back on there with that chest injury was a full participant so yep. that's your injury report rundown for this game and I was going to say about stars in this game Scott I think having Levante David back is so big because of the Alvin Kamara factor he really just has not played that great against the Bucs statistically when you look at his numbers he's had a couple runs here and there that have made things good but he's not had any type of breakout games in the last four meetings four meetings under Todd Bowles, I should say five of a kind of playoffs. He had 85 yards in the playoff game, actually. I, I think that's yeah. been hard to, to remember because I think a lot of a chunk of it came on one carry. But right. yeah, it, it was not a big impactful performance by merely 20 yards receiving. They've either usually stopped him in one way or the other, you know, even in the right. big loss in week nine last year, nine carries, 40 yards, and he had five catches for nine yards. He just didn't do much. Week one. He had the five catches for 51 yards. But remember, that trick play when the game was over, that right. was like all his receiving yards in the week one game last year. So really, has not gotten loose again in the box in the passing game. 
in the run game. There's been like one or two plays maybe, um, but it has not been anything dominant um, against Tampa Bay. They've done a really good job on him, Devin White and Levante David, and they I think they aren't going to do anything special with their safeties. I think they're just going to play it with those two like they have because it's worked. Those guys got to make tackles and make stops in space. That'll be the key, but – uh, and they got to recognize things too, because the screen game is a big part of this offense. Yeah, it really is. And and there's also going to be some wrinkles, right? I mean, Sean Payton, he's a gadget guy, and uh, and and again, the Saints only scored 20 points in that divisional playoff game. Seven of those came off of that that trick pass play from Winston to Traquan Smith. So that's kind of the, the challenge if you're Todd Bowles is to expect the unexpected, and and sometimes that can work against you a little bit because if you have a coach that you expect, you know, a, a trick play, a gadget play from, it can have you playing on your heels a little bit, right? And and the Buccaneers, they want to play fast and aggressive, but they have to do so in a very opportunistic way because Sean Payton will invite you in. He'll want that pass rush, and you'll see an end around, a reverse, uh, a, a, you know, a pass off of a reverse, a halfback pass. Kamara's done that before. Screen plays, so it's it's a re- you really have got to be disciplined. And I think that the Buccaneers tackling, which has really been hit or miss in the open field, this is the game where the tackling has to be top notch because Kamara can make you miss. He can slip tackles. You know, he's got enough size where he can break some tackles. But some of, of the guys that they have, you know, Callaway is, is a faster guy. Deontay Harris, if he plays, we'll see about the hamstring. He is small. He's very fast. He's a Jalen Darden-type player, although he's more accomplished so far. Uh, Troutman is, is um, you know, he's, he's a somewhat of an athletic tight end. He's not like Jimmy Graham in his prime by any means. But uh, I think they've had some slower tight ends. Um, uh, you know, there's uh, – you you've got – um, uh, well, even uh, the guys that aren't fast get open vertically because of the yeah. concepts. I mean, Callaway, yeah. I mean, he's not yeah. fast. Traquan, Traquan Smith has got the speed to get deep, although he uh, only had three catches. Actually, he was targeted three times, had one catch for 11 yards. And and I think it was, wasn't was it him? That, receiver? <laughs> what's that? You mean Jameis' favorite That's what receiver? I'm saying. Yeah, didn't they get into it a little bit on Monday night on the sidelines? I don't think they got into it so much as Traquan Smith caught some verbal hands. <laughs> so, yeah. Imagine, though, if Brady had blown up on a guy like that and screamed. I know. like the national story for a week. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Goes Easy. Ballistic. And yeah. there's not, I mean, nothing. The next day, like, you can barely find it on Twitter. It was incredible. Right. Yeah. But yeah, he laid into, into um, Traquan Smith pretty good. And Traquan Smith just, just coming back from injury looked completely like he did not want to be out there the other night. I don't know what the story was there, but it was not right. fun no, um, for him. Exactly. We'll see what, yeah, we'll see what that receipt. I mean, I think Callaway's a good player, but the rest of the group, especially Deontay Harris's speed can change things, but yeah. Yeah. I don't know, man. I think that the, right now the process for the saints you're looking at, I don't know how much it changes offensively. They're not going to try to right. all of a sudden be something they aren't. They know they yeah. don't have a chance unless they can, create some off some trick plays and play action deep shots and be able to run the football like that feels mm-hmm. like who they are. And it feels like they're going to stick with that, especially because the Bucks defense, you know, they've been good when they've played horrible offenses. Right. And yeah. We'll see. And this one, I guess, I don't know what you to know, believe about the Bucks defense. John here, here's two points I want to make about this game. Uh, I, I think that special teams, the Buccaneers really have got to do a good job of, of winning on special teams and not allowing the Saints to flip the field, whether it's in the kicking game or the return game. I, I think that, that that's an area that the Saints have had an advantage of over Tampa Bay, and that helps set up their offense. The other thing is, and to the point about making Jameis play hero ball, you know, it's interesting because I, I said this about Tom Brady. You know, Tom Brady, 22-year-old, uh, I should say 22 seasons in the league, right, 44 years old. He has been there and done that, John. He has won Super Bowls. He's lost Super Bowls. He's won cold weather games. He's won in, in warm weather. He has won more games in the playoffs and in the regular season than any other quarterback. There's He's seen every type of defense thrown, every type of pass, every type of route. The one thing that, that Tom Brady had never done before until this year was have a homecoming, was to play his former team. And when he did that, we saw some of those passes – sail a little bit and maybe it was the weather conditions with the rain up there in new england but he got a little amped up i think the the atmosphere got to him now the the difference this year is this is a home game for the saints it's also on halloween right <laughs> it's a later mm-hmm. game so there's going to be plenty of tailgating that 
that Superdome crowd is going to be rocking and raucous. And there is going to be a revenge factor for the Saints in this game for how they ended Drew Brees' career, the Bucks did, in that divisional playoff game and ended the Saints' as, I think, the run as the NFC South uh, champions. For, for them, for the Saints to win the division again, they've got to beat the Buccaneers. It's got to go through Tampa. They've got to beat the Buccaneers. This is a must-win game for the Saints. But more importantly, Jameis Winston has had two games against his former team in mop-up duty, handing off the ball, completing one pass in that 38-3 blowout win in Tampa on Sunday night football, and also that the cameo appearance where he had that trick play touchdown in the divisional playoff, or not divisional, but yeah, it was a divisional playoff game. But this is his first time as a starting quarterback against his former team. He's mm. going to want to show up. He's going to want to show out. He's going to want to eat a W after this game. And I just wonder, with Jameis's penchant for getting too amped up, we saw it for years in Tampa. He's done a pretty good job of keeping his emotions in check and playing that, that system ball that, that has him throwing 13 touchdowns and only three picks. But, John, is this the game? where he comes out a little juiced up, amped up, and those passes start to sail a little bit in the first quarter because he is kind of geeked up. Mm-hmm. Is he going to have some overthrows where Antoine Winfield's going to just get some gifts playing center field? I think that could happen. Yeah, it could happen. I mean, like I said, there's not a whole lot in terms of the six-game sample size we have with the Saints to be able to hang your hat on except the fact that they just really haven't beat themselves. You know, Even as long yeah. as he's held the ball, the protection's been so good that he's only been sacked 11 times, ninth best in the NFL, and he's only, they've only had six turnovers, and he's only had three picks. And so you know, those things all lend themselves to winning football. They just haven't beaten themselves. That's been the biggest key. They're seventh best in the league in penalties. Um, so they've been played pretty disciplined football. They played very conservative football outside of here and there taking a shot off play action. They've picked and choose their moments very well. They've hit a couple of those, like I said, four 40 plus yard plays when your defense is falling out, you know, that will help. And so they've kind of done enough. Every red zone opportunity. What did I say two weeks ago? I said they were 13 to 14 in the red zone. Yeah. I said that has to regress. Nobody's ever right. 93% in the red zone. This, you know, the best offenses in the league are typically, you know, or are, are lately in the 65 to 71, 72 percent range that's the best offenses in the league saints don't that's that's not going to be their ceiling so you're talking about a group that's going to regress pretty fast and look already that happened seattle they were one for four one of those is a red zone kneel down at the end of the game i wish they wouldn't count those but still one for three in that area of the field i mean there there was there was an open touchdown there off a screen Jameis try i've never seen this i've never seen a quarterback try to tuck it and run when he knows the three unblocked guys are coming to him because it's a screen Especially when he has the touchdown. I mean, it was a walk-in. Right. It was a walk-in uh, yeah. on Monday night. I never seen that. So, like those things are gonna happen and regress yeah. when you don't have elite players in your offense. And so that will happen. They won't be able to you know, right now they're what I said 29th in yards, 17th in scoring. Yeah. One of those things is gonna have to give because that you can't stay 29th in yards and be 17th in score, even 17th right. in score. You're gonna drop at one. John Nate Pitts uh, asks Bucks will be dancing, or I shouldn't say ass, he says Bucks will be dancing on IG Live this weekend, eating their W's. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I went to mybookie.ag to see if there was a prop bet that if the Bucks win, they will be eating some W's in honor of Jameis. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't find that prop bet. But what I did find is the Bucks are, are uh, minus five and a half against the Saints. So they're favored in this game. And, uh, and the best thing about going to mybookie, John, is they got the NBA lock of the season. Now you might be saying, okay, it's NBA season. This is a football program. Who cares? Whatever. Well, there's some NBA fans out there. John's a big NBA fan, but it doesn't matter if you're an NBA fan, because if you're a MyBookie customer or you're thinking about it, now is the time to get in on the lock of the season. What's the lock of the season? Hmm. A lock, simply put, is a bet that you can't lose. And the MyBookie NBA lock of the season this week, and you better do it before Friday's game against the Denver Nuggets, and the uh, the Dallas Mavericks. When you bet on either team to score this Friday, you win. It's that that's, simple. Wow, that's 100%er. It's 100%er. The maximum bet is $25. So when you go to MyBookie, bet $25, you're going to win $25. MyBookie does this for their customers about four to six times per year. You might have remembered when the Buccaneers and the Cowboys played on, on Monday night or on Thursday night, to start the season, they had a lock of the season there. When the hockey season started with the Seattle Krakens, uh, Las Vegas Golden Knights game, they had a lock of the season there. If either team scores a goal, you win. So take advantage of this, my bookie customers. 
bet on the NBA lock of the season. Place yeah. your bet. If either team scores, you win. It's that easy. Get paid Friday, then wake up Saturday and throw down on UFC 267. This weekend, my bookie is also giving all of, all of the users a $100 risk-free wager on the light heavyweight championship fight between Blockwitz and Texera. So don't wait. Head to mybookie.ag now. Use the promo code Pewter and get in on the lock of the season for the NBA. That's promo code Pewter. It's a lock. Get your season started with the win. You'll thank me later. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with my bookie. Yeah, love it. I think it's great stuff, and I'll be betting on that for sure because I need a win, and that's a guarantee. <laughs> that's a guarantee. It's free $25 for that's my right. bookie. I love it. Uh, the couple of the things I want to touch on with this matchup, we talked about Kamara a little bit and how much of a, a difference maker that he is for the Saints, but I think you're right on that it's more so in the passing game. That's where he's provided them these – significant outlets ability to run after the catch it's a screen game it's all of those things probably the best balance of any player in the league just unbelievable yeah. able to absorb contact and you mentioned tackling and you said the bucks are going to have to tackle well well this is game is an interesting battle of significant weaknesses the bucks are 28th in the nfl in missed tackles that's on the bottom end of it uh 53 it's bad they uh, have allowed uh, th- their 31st in yards after the catch allowed this season. So they are giving it up after the catch at a pretty great rate. Obviously, a lot of that has to do with the fact that the average depth of target against this team is just over is just over six and a half yards, which is third shallowest in the NFL. So teams are not throwing the ball down the field against them. They're underneath where there's typically going to always be more yak anyway. Uh, and they're also throwing against the Bucks more than they are passing. So there's some of that is built into the yak allowed, but they have allowed too much yards after catch this season. They have, the, bottom yep. line. the Saints, the Saints are one of the worst teams in the NFL in yards after catch. That makes no sense to me. That's without that Michael sense. Thomas, too. That makes their four and two start just even more bonkers to me, yeah. Scott, because they're 528 yards after the catch this season, 31st in the NFL in yards after catch. The Bucks are first in the NFL in yards after catch. Yeah. What how what world are we living in that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are the league leading yak team at midseason yeah. and the Saints, who have lived off yak for years, right. are second to last in the NFL. It shows a how much the Saints off they're they're not, by the way, they're not last in or second to last in yak because they're totally horrible at it. Right. Because they never throw the football. That's why. Yes. And, and you right. know, obviously they've also had a game less than most teams, but they just don't throw the ball compared to other teams. Yeah. I mean, right now, I know that having a game less than some of these other teams. Matters, John, but they've thrown the ball about 30 less times than the Bears, who are the there's, second. There's not team. a wide receiver with more than 16 catches in yeah. New Orleans. Mark, right. Marcos Galloway has got 16 catches for 254 yards and three touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Kamara is the leading receiver with 25 catches for 241 yards. So they don't have a, uh, a receiver over 300 yards. They don't have any receivers that have more than 16 catches. I'm talking mm-hmm. about wide receivers. Uh, same thing with, with the tight end position. It's it's stunning to see a typical gunslinger quarterback like Jameis Winston have 151 pass attempts. He's only completed 89 passes, and he's only hitting 58.9%, which is it's not great when you're talking about a quarterback that is checking down so much to Alvin Kamara, right? You take mm-hmm. away those, I wonder what his completion percentage is because Kamara will catch a healthy amount of those you know, screen passes, swing passes out of the backfield, et cetera, John. That's that's kind of an amazing statistic. Mm-hmm. And everybody is caught up with the fact that Jameis can throw the deep ball, and I already mentioned it, Scott, yeah. but he, he does throw it. But we talk about the ones that it's pretty, but, I mean, he's not accurate down the field either. No. Like he, he is 38% adjusted completion percentage yeah. this season on 20-plus air Tampa. yard throws. You so 20-plus he... air yard throws, 38% adjusted, Scott. That means that's accounting. That's counting the drops that he's had down the field as right. catches. So it's taking the blame off of that for him, and he's still only 38%. That is 24th in the NFL this season. Right. So now, he can hit one, but that's right. it's not efficient. It's, it's a rare bird when it happens. The, 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 just to put that in perspective, and granted, keep in mind, Tom Brady is the leading passer in the NFL, right? So we're, we're, not, we're not comparing these two quarterbacks. Winston, who's thrown the fewest amount of passes with, with the league's leading passer, but Tom Brady has 203 completions to Jameis's 89. Yeah, yeah. Tom Brady has has 303 attempts to Jameis Winston's 151. So Brady's literally throwing the ball twice as much. Yeah. And he's completing way more passes. He's completing 60, 
7% of his passes. And he's taken so many deep shots, which is just an incredible completion percentage. Yeah, I thought Bruce Arians answered the question perfectly today. What's the difference between Jameis from 2019 to, to now, or I guess from, from the time he was with the box to, to now? And he said he's throwing about 15 tests less times a game. They're yeah. playing with the lead. We didn't have them any leads. And he said he's playing well, but he's just basically like this. He's not being asked to do any, like in terms of being right. able to lead the team, like that's not his role this year. And to right. be honest, the fact that he's bought in on that is to his credit. And the fact it that is. he hasn't that up right now is to yeah. his credit and we'll see if that can last whole season you know are the same serious contenders if that if he doesn't take a huge leap or you know if he doesn't ta- i i don't think they are unless he would take a huge leap forward and all of a sudden they would trust him and he would become the players drafted to be but can they screw you up if you make mistakes if you commit penalties you commit turnovers you take sacks if you do those things Yes, the Saints can screw you up because they're opportunistic. Yes, it only takes one or two plays for them to score an offense because they can get the they can find those deep balls just schematically. They protect really well, and that Jameis can hold the ball for over three seconds, Scott, and right. only be sacked eleven times this year. And he can because of that, like anybody, it's hard to cover that long. You know what I mean? That's right. On average, so yeah, that's the tricky part with this offense is that the offense the offensive line, even without Pete, who is it wasn't great. Um, yeah, it's still good enough that they can do things even if their quarterback isn't great just because he's going to have a lot of time to be able to make things happen. And that's tough to, to defend if you're DBs. And if you blitz a ton, what's Sean Payton going to do? He's going to throw the screens screens right screen behind game him all yep. day. So makes it tricky. This is a tricky one for Todd Bowles. There's no doubt about it, but um, you know, you talked about tricks. Halloween is, is trick or treat, you know? Mm. And, and uh, so we've, we've got the whole atmosphere going there, but um you're going to get a lot more treats than tricks when you invest your money with the Muni Financial. At Amuni Financial, we help you live in the now. Congratulations. We're so happy Thank for you. you. Thank you. And even though the now may feel very different, you still need to plan for the future. How's retirement treating you? Oh, just fantastic. I know I say it all the time, but you really got to come up to Colorado. Let's do it. All right. Yeah. We can help you develop that plan to keep you on track so you can still prepare for tomorrow today. Amuni Financial. Plan ahead, stay ahead. Managing your family's wealth means more to Amuni Financial than simply allocating your assets. It means legacy planning, brokerage and advisory services, retirement accounts, college savings accounts, and insurance services. With 40 years of experience in the Tampa Bay area, let Amuni Financial help you plan ahead and stay ahead. Call Amuni Financial at 1 800 868 6864. Or visit amuni.com. John had a great call this week with David Polkinghorne, who is my Amuni representative. And uh, what I love about David is, is I don't have to call him; he calls me mm-hmm. with updates uh, on stocks, mutual bu- uh, mutual funds, uh, how how my portfolio is performing. And it's that type of personal touch and service that that I've really come to appreciate. And um, I, I just highly recommend if if you're if you have not uh, taken full advantage of your retirement services, if you have kids coming up and you want to, you know, you're, you got younger kids, they're going to be needing cars, college funds, that kind of thing. It's never too late to start saving. And the more important thing is you want to grow your money. And I trust Immunity Financial and I'm encouraging you to give them a call or visit their website and find out more information. Scott, the key to this game to me as we get as we get to, ready to wrap this thing up, the key to this game to me is whether they can get pressure on Jameis Winston. You know, yeah. He was not good against Seattle, but he was good enough against Seattle because the defense balled out and because Seahawks couldn't touch him. They just right. didn't touch him. I mean, he had all day to throw the football. And he got sacked a couple times, Scott. Like, that's right. He got sacked like three times, but it was all on him. Like That's how long he had to throw the football. And you saw Brandon Thorne tweeting out clips the other day just saying like the Saints O-line was just dominant in that game. Yeah. The Seahawks are a horrible pass rush team. The Bucs are obviously better. Right. They blitz a ton. Seattle does not. Seattle right. also doesn't get rushed with four. So it's a very different matchup. Still, that's a significant part of this game. This has not been typically Shaq Barrett or Jason Pierre-Paul's best game is against the Saints Correct. because they have two of the best tackles, probably two of the – I mean, Ramsick is up there with Wirfs. These are the two best right tackles in the game with Lane Johnson going right. through his stuff this season and, and being injured a lot. The two best right tackles in the game will play – in this one, in Tristan Wirfs and Ryan Ramchick for the Saints. Teron Armstead's probably a top five, top three, maybe left tackle in the league. And Donovan Smith's playing at a really high level, playing like a top 10 left tackle this yeah. season for sure. And so those guys are going to be a big part of how this game's won or lost on both sides. But, you know, as we're talking about the Bucks defense today, 
Can they finally find a way to win those matchups, Scott? And does Joe try and showing his presence give them more flexibility to play different fronts and move guys around and put Jason Pierre-Paul inside and do things like that that maybe they didn't do before? I remember going back to that week one game when when the Buccaneers got one sack against Drew Brees and it came on a third down when, when uh, JPP was rushing inside. And so I, I think that you're going to have to either have Joe Tryon or – or JPP lining up inside, and and I think the key is getting the Saints to some third and long situations. The, th- the problem is on third and five, John. That's a screen down for New Orleans. They're going to invite the blitz. They want to invite pressure because they're going to throw it right over your head and hit Camara on third and five, and he'll turn it into twelve or fourteen yards, pick up the first down, and then you're still on the field. But getting the Saints into some really long situations, third and ten, third and twelve, getting them behind the sticks. I think that will allow Todd Bowles to do some more creative things. So the emphasis is going to be on stopping the run. And like you've mentioned, Kamara's not been great, but the Bucks' defense against the run in the last two games has not been great, right? They got by with it with the Eagles because they were playing some kind of garbage time defense. They had a big 28-7 to lead. They were giving up some run just to chew the clock, playing some prevent defense, if you will. But last week was a different story. Right, you had 91 yards by Khalil Herbert, the Bears running back. Yeah, the rookie had a really good first half. They did a better job shutting him down in the second half, but still gave up 100 yards. That's very rare that you get a 100 yard rusher against the Todd Bowles defense. I think it was the right wake up call at the right time. If you want to win against the Saints, you do have to stop the run, but more importantly, getting the Saints into some of those third and nine, third and yeah. ten, third and twelve situations to where you can bring pressure and not have to be as as cognizant about giving up the screen passes mm-hmm. that are going to come on third and fours and third and fives instead. That's right. Yeah. And most importantly, have Levante David back in the lineup. Yes. Yeah. a lot. You he settles things down quite yeah. a bit. You mentioned the defensive line there. Um, Vita Vea. Anders Pete goes out of the lineup, and Pete yeah. has some struggles, but most of Pete's struggles are mobility-related. Um, yeah. He is a big, hulking guard. Yes. Calvin yes. Throckmorton is going to be his replacement. Yeah. Here's a line from Calvin Throckmorton's scouting report from the Draft Network's Deontay Harris, who is a former NFL scout. He says he is a waistbender that needs to improve his flexibility. He plays high and lacks good balance. Oh, He's boy. on the ground a lot Timber. for a player with the type of upside that he has. <laughs> I believe his skill set is probably best suited on the interior, but he may not bend well enough. He struggles to get out of his stance and get to a cutoff. He doesn't play with good length on the perimeter. He struggles to engage at the second level in the run game. And there's some good things listed about him too, but it's more about his upside. He has gone better. He played well the other night against Seattle. Right. Bay is a different beast. And the other interesting thing, Eric McCoy, the Saints center, is a good player, but he is one of the smaller centers in the league. And so those two now will be charged with Vea. Vea has played well against the Saints. He didn't play last year in the other regular season game or in the playoff game against the Saints. Played well in week one against the Saints last year. I think it's that's one of the spaces that this matchup can be won by is where Vea is playing. I mean, he's already in the run game. It's a given. I think that you're going to see Vea win. Um, the Saints will run away from him almost assuredly, as they yep. usually do. Um, but in the past game, this is a big matchup for him, man, because we talked about the right. tackles, but the Saints are suspect on the interior. He was yep. drafted in the first round for matchups like this. You've got to be the terror. You've got to be the guy that forces Winston off his spot, right. makes mistakes happen as the interior rusher. Be the guy you were in week one against Dallas early in the season that we saw you dominating guys right. who couldn't hold up. Do that against Throckmorton, and I think it goes a long way toward the Bucks winning. Right, and, and I I think you're exactly right, John. And and for guys like like JPP and Shaq Barrett and even Joe Try and Shoinka, if they're going to get some sacks in this game, it's probably not going to come from from beating those tackles cleanly. Right, what it, what's going to happen is they're going to get some pressure up the middle from Vita Vea, from Adamica Sue, pushing the pocket and then forcing James, who loves to roll outside, but we've seen it here in Tampa. So many times Donovan Smith would do his job, right? Or even DeMar Dotson would do his job. And you would have a situation where Jameis Winston would, would roll right into some sacks because he's trying to escape the pocket. And so I, I think if you can get Jameis into some of those bad habits, I think that you can really affect him as a passer, get yep. him to take some of those really bad sacks, um, you know, get him to hold on to the ball where he's going to make some risky throws because he's not going to throw the ball out of bounds. That clock's going to be ticking in his head. 
if you can get Jameis Winston to revert to Jameis Winston of old, a Buccaneer Jameis Winston, I think the Saints will be on the losing end of the stick in a very bad way. This could be a blowout for the Buccaneers if Todd Bowles' defense gets that to happen. Yeah. What do you think Bowles' primary coverage is going to be? He's going to mix up a lot, John, but what do you think is going to be at the end of the day, cover one, cover three, cover two? How is he going to play against the Saints? Well, he's played a little bit more man recently, so maybe we will see some cover one. But I would imagine he'll still it's it's Jameis, right? Like the zone defense has always been the thing, right? So yeah. I mean, I imagine we're still going to see a good bit of that and and make him throw into zones and make him beat zones with his eyes and do the advanced nuance things that you know quarterbacks with with great arms can beat man. You know, can do can do those kind of things with great arms and great accuracy. Quarterbacks who can think quickly can beat zones and. That's just never been Jameis's strong suit. So if you can play good zone defense behind behind the pass rush and then can also win one-on-ones up front, it's a great recipe for you. I'm just not convinced that the Bucs, I think if they're going to win those one-on-ones, it comes from Vea. I, I think it's so important that he be a dominant player in this game. I think he's the yep. most important player for them defensively because he has to win those matchups because even if it happens once or twice with Shaq Barrett and JPP, it's not going to happen all game. Those they're both good players, but Tron Armstead and Ryan Ramchick are just straight up better than those guys. Yeah. And so you have to have Vea plus a combination of Winston being inconsistent in his pocket movement that helps right. you maybe get some pressure production or some easier lanes to the quarterback. Those things have to be a big part of this game plan. And they're going to rush with five. They may not send the house, but they're going to yeah. send five on occasion. And, you know, Devin White, make a play, man. Hasn't Doesn't have yeah. a sack yet this season. One tackle for loss, no picks. Yep. Come on. This is the week, man. This is this is play. this is the week where he needs to be splashy. He really needs to revert back to that that playoff Devin White that we saw. Mm-hmm. So I I agree with you. I I think that the two players on defense that have got to step up this week are Vita Vea. Totally agree, John. Sold me on that. And also Devin White, especially covering Alvin Kamara. And when he does blitz Jameis, which I think he's going to get a couple of A gap blitzes. They love that tandem inside with Vita Vea occupying the guard or center. And then have a Devin White come, you know, screaming through the A gap. Devin White's got to get home and make those opportunities count. So I think those are the two key players. John, you said Vita Vea. Who's the other player you think really needs to step up? Is it Devin White or somebody else? No, it's definitely Devin White. It's no question, Devin White. Uh, for the reasons you said, the run game, he's got to be better. You know, he, the, the when teams have run against the Bucs, it hasn't been because the defensive line's been at fault the last two weeks. It's been because the second level's at fault. Some of it's right. just coverage they're dropping out and, and they were playing coverage against the Eagles on a few runs. I put it in my Bucks briefing. He still got carried like 30 yards by Jason Kelsey <laughs> in the true. Eagles yes. game. You know, but he just he has to be better all phases. When the Bears were like the one team you knew yeah. were going to still try to run it. And he, that should have been the game where he was licking his chops and he was just bad in that game. You know, that was the one where okay, finally a team that's running again. You can get back to what you do, what you were doing better at the end of last season, and he wasn't good at that either. So make your mark on this game with at least a splash play if you're not going to be super consistent. I think that that's – yeah, those are the two most important guys in question, two of their more recent young guy draft picks. John, you mentioned your your Bucks briefing column. It just gets better and better and better every week. Folks, this is appointment reading. John, I told you in a private phone call, this is no (laughs) paid promotion or endorsement or anything. (laughs) I'm being honest. If there's one – article one column on the buccaneers i'm reading from anybody on any website it's literally john's bucks briefing here on peterreport.com every wednesday it is appointment reading folks if you have not read it make sure you read it go back and read last week's even though the bears game already happened just so much analysis and breakdowns you literally spend about all day tuesday doing it (laughs) and it 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 shows up You've, you've got the right film clips you educate it i always tell you and our Peter Report staff, I said, you know, I mean, I'm a Buccaneer expert. I've been doing this for 26 years. Mm-hmm. I don't know it all. I don't know anybody that covers the game of football that knows it all. Even coaches will tell you they don't know it all, right? That's why they steal from each other. You borrow from the best, right? There's always innovation yeah. in football. But I'm telling you, if I can learn something from reading Bucks briefing about what the Bucks are doing or not doing uh, to help or hurt themselves – I know that our readers are going to learn mm-hmm. stuff, you know, and I and I learn something every week. Sometimes, usually more than one thing. And your Bucks briefing today was packed with great information about Devin White, about the Bucks run game, about Tristan Wirfs. Just phenomenal reading. So, folks, Wednesday mornings, PeterReport.com. Check out John's Bucks briefing. Phenomenal Thanks. job every week.
Yeah, I appreciate that, Scott. It's fun. It's been fun to write about some of this stuff, especially the run game this week. And I'm looking forward to talking about that more tomorrow on the show with Matt Matera, who is heading right. up our Pewter Report Bowling League over at Pin Chaser. Scott, Matt is heading that up. And, and when does that when does that start, Scott? It starts tonight, 6.30, down at, at Pin Chasers. And listen, folks, you've probably heard Matt talk about Pin Chasers before. And I, I've been going to these these bowling events whether it's our charity events or whether it's making an appearance during the bowling leagues pin chasers uh the the one in midtown it's it's off of armenia uh, that's where we have the pewter report bowling leagues the bowling leagues are fun it's where buccaneer fans come together and we've even had some buccaneer players in the past uh in our leagues right now with the covid protocols that's that's tough to kind of get buccaneer players there but i'm sure maybe in the spring league uh, we can we can get some of those guys. Donovan Smith's a big bowler. OJ Howard's a big bowler. We've had some of those players come to our events in the past. The food is amazing. You would not think that pin chasers would have great food, but they do. It's not bowling alley food. It's restaurant quality food. Their pizza is actually top notch. Uh, they've got some some great salads, chicken dishes, everything. So it's six thirty. Every Wednesday night, Matt Matera from Peter Report is going to be there. He's heading it up. I'm sure John and I will probably be making some appearances, doing a little bit of bowling and bringing our families down for that. So it's it's a fun time. Join the bowling league. You get um, when you join, you get a uh, uh, I think it's a, a bowling ball. Don't you get a, a bowling ball or a pin, something like that? John, do you know what the details are? I think uh, Matt knows that. On what you win? Well, it's when you join the league, you get. You, uh, you let's get see if something. It's in his article it might wrote. be in the article. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Maybe I'm talking a about free that. bowling ball at the end of the Okay. Season. That's what I thought. Free, free bowling ball. Exactly. And so. you can get a customized Buccaneers logo on your ball or How about that? Pin, or a bowling pin. So you might yeah, or, or, or the bowling pin. So you can get wow. one or the other. It's awesome. at the end of the season. It's a great thing. So basically, you're, you're paying to have fun and then you're getting something for your money back at the end of the season for taking part in this. Visit pinchasers.net or just go down there. You can sign up tonight. And, uh, and take part of the, in, in the bowling and the fun. They've got bowling lanes in Zephyr Hills, Midtown Tampa, and Veterans Tampa, but the, the Peter Report Bowling League takes place at Midtown Tampa, 6.30 Wednesday nights. Get down there and have dinner. Bring the family and have some great fun over at Pin Chasers. Oh, yeah, we'll definitely do. Give the girls, give the the five and the two year old a little night out. The uh, yeah. get out of pin chasers at some point in the next couple of months. Yeah, it'll be fun. Tomorrow on the show, Matt and I are going to go through this just like we did today, but we're going to go through it for looking at the Bucks' offense against the Saints' defense. And then I'm going to give my prediction tomorrow on the show, and Matt's going to give his prediction tomorrow. So I'm taking another day to think and pray about this thing. But you won't be on the show tomorrow, so you got to give us your prediction tonight scott or today, okay whatever time it is all right well here's my prediction and it might sound familiar john i think the buccaneers have got to get back to scoring 30 points per game not just at home where they've scored 40.5 points per game they got to do it on the road, road that's something too, yeah. they have not done this year mm-hmm. but john you go back and look last year right 47 points against the lions on the road 31 points against the falcons on the road and then at least 30 points every single game on the road, Washington, New Orleans, Green Bay in the NFC Championship game. They were the away team, right, for the Super Bowl, John. They scored 31 points in their own house as the away team against the Chiefs. So I think the Buccaneers need to get 30 points on the board to win, and I think they will. And I think the score is going to be 30-20. to 20. Tampa Bay over New Orleans, a very familiar score. That was what happened when the Bucs went down to the Saints. And I think it's time. We talked about it after that game, John, back in January. Um, the Buccaneers are now the bully of the NFC South. I think they they rip the crown away from the Saints, and they win 30-20 to 20 against Jameis Winston and the New Orleans Saints. Oh, 30-20. Wow. Okay. Yep. I can vibe with the 30-20 to 20 score. This one's tough for me. I'm not going to give my prediction today. I'm going to give it tomorrow on the show with Matt. But yeah, this one's tough for me. I, I, all the negatives I said about the Saints offense, I still feel like the Bucks defense is vulnerable. And I think Sean Payton knows them better than anybody. And he knows where those vulnerabilities are. And I don't think that it's going to matter who the quarterback is quite as much as it did against Chicago and the Eagles and the Dolphins. I think all those games, it just wasn't enough. 
I think the Bucks or the Saints can find ways to win even with a quarterback who, who isn't enough. So it scares me a little bit. This game matchup, and then we'll talk about the Saints defense tomorrow. I think they have a couple of players who are just phenomenal and really change the game when they play. Yes. So uh, it's going to be fun to talk that, about that and break that down with Matt. Just want to give people a little sneak peek. On Sunday, we've got the pregame show starting at 3.30 again, going up until game time. Then through the game, you're going to have Paul Atwell and I with analysis, breakdowns, X's and O's, scheme thought, all of that throughout Buck Saints during the game. So you can jump in there with us, pull us up on YouTube, watch the game, just watch it on mute or whatever, and watch along with us as we break down everything that happens. Um, and then you're going to have the Peter Post game podcast after that. Then later in the week, you're going to have Monday. We'll break down the game like we always do. We'll have the Monday show uh, next week. Then the bye week starts, right? So Wednesday and Thursday, we are going to be focusing a ton on free agency, the upcoming free agency for the Bucs and the upcoming offseason for the Bucs. We'll look at all their free agents. There's tons of them. We are going to go actually through the Pewter Report staff. We're going to have everybody on the show, try to have everybody yeah. on the show next Wednesday, a week from today and go through the staff and try to give predictions about what we think is going to happen. Will this player be back? Will Leonard Fournette be back with the Bucs next, next season? Will Antonio Brown? We're going to literally give our predictions as of midseason, obviously. Give us some grace. But we're going to give our predictions for what we think is going to happen in the offseason with the Bucs. Then on Thursday, we're going to talk with Brad Spielberger of Pro Football Focus, who is a salary cap and contract expert. Love he, Brad. Yeah, yeah, he's been on the show a bunch Love of times before. Talks to more NFL people than like any of these salary cap guys that I know. Yeah. So he knows this stuff, and he knows he'll know what's realistic. Can the Bucs bring back these? We'll have him answer all our tough questions. Right. Can the Bucs bring back everybody again, Brad? We'll have him answer all the questions on the show. So we'll, you guys will come out of next week with a much greater understanding of what the Bucs face in the offseason, what's realistic in terms of them bringing th who they can bring back. We'll look at each player specifically specific situation on those shows we'll break it all down hopefully you come out of thursday and you come into that bye weekend with your mind either at ease or upset whatever you come out of the shows with we'll see but you know a little bit more about what's in front of the bucks and have a little better idea of the future when we go into that weekend and you can enjoy that sunday of football without stress right. about a bucks game uh before we head into the week before the washington game so that's what's coming up on the peter report show peter report podcast we appreciate y'all for jumping in here and for listening and for watching with us as you always do. Y'all are the best. Support us every single week, and we appreciate that. So until tomorrow at 4 p.m. Eastern, thanks so much for listening to another edition of the Pewter Report Podcast. Out. Out.